want to help this all? There we go. Thank you. Okay, before Jesus came, another guy, John, I think that's why I'm reading, right? Maybe, I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. Amen. Let's sing together. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appears. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. O come, thou day spring, come and cheer our spirits by thine advent here. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night. And death's dark shadow put to flight. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. O come, desire of nations mine, all peoples in one heart and mind. Bid envy, strife, and quarrel cease. Fill the whole world with heaven's peace. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. 
Come thou long-expected Jesus, born to set thy people free from our fears and sins. Release us, let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art, dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. Born thy people to deliver, born a child and yet a king, born to reign in us forever, now thy gracious kingdom bring. By thine own eternal Spirit, rule in all our hearts alone. By thine all-sufficient merit, raise us to thy glorious throne. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This, is, this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to, do, to do Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to marry him and was expecting a child. While they were there, they, the time came for a baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clo- cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark street shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. For Christ is born of Mary and gathered all above. 
While mortals sleep, the angels keep their watch of wandering love. O morning stars together, proclaim thy holy birth, and praises be to God the King, and peace to men on earth. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright, round yon virgin mother and child. Holy infant, so tender and mild, sleep in heavenly peace, sleep in heavenly peace. Sweet 
while shepherds watch our keeping. This, this is Christ the King, whom shepherds guard and angels seek. Haste, haste to bring him, Lord, the babe, the Son of Mary. So bring him incense, gold, and myrrh, come peasant king to own him. The King of kings salvation brings. Let loving hearts enthrone him. This, this is Christ the King, whom shepherds guard and angels sing. Haste, haste to bring him, Lord, the babe, the Son of Mary. His father Zechariah, Zechariah was, filled with, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the lands of all who hate us, to show us mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies, and to enable us to serve without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. You will go before him. We will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy given of our God, which is the rising, which the rising of the sun will come from heaven, to shine those to shine the, those living in darkness and in shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. May God bless the reading of His word. Angels we have heard on high, sweetly singing o'er the plains, and the mountains in reply, echoing their joyous strains. shall cease day o gloria in act shall cease day o shepherds why this jubilee why your joyous strains prolong? 
What the gladsome tidings be Which inspire your heavenly song Gloria in excelsis Deo Gloria in excelsis Deo Come to Bethlehem and see Him whose birth the angels sing Come adore on bended knee, Christ the Lord, the newborn King. Gloria in excelsis Deo. Hark the herald angels sing Glory to the newborn King Peace on earth and mercy mild God and sinners reconciled Joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies. With the angelic horse proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn King. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> Hail the hand-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all He brings. Risen with healing in his wings. Christ by highest heaven adored. Christ the everlasting Lord. Come, desire of nations come. Fix in us thy humble home. Hark the herald. Nations come, fix in us thy humble home. <clears throat> o come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. O come, ye, O come, ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the king of angels. O oh, come, let
adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Sing choirs of angels, sing in exultation. Oh, sing, all ye bright hosts of heaven. Above glory to God, all glory in the highest. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Him, Christ the Lord. Yea, Lord, we greet Thee, born this happy morning. Jesus, to Thee be all glory Word of the Father, now in flesh appearing, O come, let us adore Him, O come, let us adore Him, O come, let us adore Him. Him, Christ the Lord. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and peace peace to men on whom his favor rests. So our sermon series over the last few weeks has been called Worst Christmas Ever, Uh, and we talked a little bit about those Christmases that we all remember in our families where we tell the story about how something went horribly wrong, but we remember those Christmases fondly. We remember how, in the end, it actually wasn't as bad as it seemed. In fact, maybe it became one of the more treasured family stories, one of the traditions that we like to share with one another. In light of the time that we spend with one another, very often what seems like bad news becomes good news. We used a a term the first Sunday, uh, the eucatastrophe, the idea that it all seems to be going horribly wrong until the last moment at which things take a turn and what was catastrophe becomes the best possible outcome. 
And we talked about the idea that if you look back over the course of Scripture, if you look at the, the many stories that appear over and over again, they often end in something of a disappointment. The person that was supposed to be righteous and holy and the exemplar to the people falls short. The individual who is supposed to carry God's message to the nations, as an example, Jonah, doesn't really do an excellent job of it. And although redemption happens for the individual who provided the message, things aren't so great. When we talk about this idea, when we discuss the idea of the good news, we have to take with it the entire story leading up to it. Because if Jesus' arrival in this world is just one in a long succession of triumphs, that's all well and good. It's, It's great to have another check next to the box that says God did what he said he was going to do. But most of the stories in the Old Testament are not ending with God finally bringing triumph to his people, but saying, just wait You thought that this was the victory I was going to give you, but I have so much in store for you. You thought that this is what I wanted for you, but but really, if this is what your expectation is, you're not dreaming big enough. Maybe it was providential that we ended up having Zechariah's uh, prophecy up there twice this morning. I think we sometimes skip over that. There are a number of beautiful passages in Luke chapter 1, that look forward to the arrival of Jesus. Mary's song is one that we spent a lot of time with last Christmas. This year, I really want to kind of talk about these words that Zechariah offers to who? We don't actually know who he shares them with. I guess his family immediately around him, the people that are there present to hear as he's naming his child. But what's interesting about it is that when most fathers are introducing their child for the first time, they have all sorts of expectations for that child. And all those expectations are on how great this child is going to be and how wonderful he's going to present himself and all the hope and expectation that we have for this child to grow into the person that God would have them be. And there's some of that in Zechariah's statements. I want us to think for just a moment here about what he has to say about his own son. You, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. That sounds pretty good. I didn't utter those words for Micah when he was born. Uh, That was not something that was on my mind as I held my son for the first time. But I know when I held him, I thought about all the great things he could be, all the ways in which I had expectations for him. And and of course, he's going to live his own life and live into who God has created him to be, regardless of what my expectations are. Zechariah holds this child... It's a pretty lofty promise. You, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. That's good news. But it's made better news in light of the words that come after. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation 
to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. The interesting thing about this to me is that as quickly as Zechariah is extolling how great it will be for his son to be the prophet of the Most High, he immediately turns his attention to Mary's unborn child and the ways in which John's identity will find its true meaning, its full purpose, its greatness in the context of the incarnation. Sometimes I think we want to build stories for ourselves and for others around how great we will be. The wonderful things that we're going to accomplish in our own lives, the ways in which we're going to elevate ourselves, the great things we'll build, the things we'll say, the things we'll do, the ways in which others will look at us and say, man, isn't, isn't Chris just wonderful? Isn't Greg just the most incredible person you've ever met? Isn't David just the nicest guy? And look at all the things that they've done and and the wonderful ways in which they have blessed the people around them. Jesus ends up saying of John the Baptist, there has been no man born of woman who is greater than John the Baptist. Those are pretty lofty things to be told, right? To have said about you. Can you imagine if someone said, no one in the world that has ever been born is greater than you? It might give you a little bit of a swollen head, right? But John's identity only finds its fullness in the one he's pointing to. In fact, as we look back over the course of Scripture, all of these these almosts but not quites of the stories of men like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, even Joseph, if we look at the life of David or Solomon, if we look at the prophets and we see the ways in which they extol what it is that God is going to do and warn against the ways in which people might wander away from God, Every single one of them finds a beautiful and wonderful meaning in the incarnation. In fact, Zechariah's words might be interpreted as, this is the thing we've all been waiting for. He ends with this idea to guide our feet into the way of peace. It's a term that we sing a lot about this time of year. It's in a lot of our both Uh, religious and secular songs of this holiday season, the idea of peace. But our concept of peace is oftentimes just the absence of conflict. For a period of time, we'll lay down our arms, we'll We'll think about ways in which we maybe won't bicker with our siblings, or maybe we'll, you know, not talk bad about our boss behind his back, or maybe we'll you know, just be kind to our neighbor who usually lets his dog use our lawn as a bathroom. That's our idea of peace. But for Zechariah, for the Jews in the first century, for those who had been anticipating a Messiah who would arrive 
The idea of peace was not just the absence of conflict. It was the making whole of things that were broken. Bringing together things that had been torn apart. The mending of those things which could not have been mended by the hands of mankind alone. When Zechariah talks about this idea of being led into the way of peace, what he's talking about is the restoration of all things. From like the third page of the book of Genesis on, humanity acknowledged and recognized that things were not the way they were supposed to be. And in this child, Zechariah tells us, all that was broken is mended. This is all good news. There is no catastrophe in a single moment in the life of Jesus. There is no catastrophe in the birth of Jesus. There is no catastrophe before the arrival of Jesus in light of the arrival of Jesus. Does it mean that there are things that we can't look back on and say, gosh, I wish it had gone differently? I don't think it means that, but I think that it means that as we look over the course of history, what we have to remember is that God has not been defeated in any of the failures of mankind. That when David fails as a king, God hasn't failed in bringing about good news. That when Adam and Eve in the garden make the mistake of eating from the tree, choosing knowledge that was not intended for them, introducing hurt and pain and suffering and death into mankind's story. Is it unfortunate? Yes. Is it a failure of God to do what he had always planned to do? Absolutely not. As we look back over the course of history and we consider this small child that comes into the world who is proclaimed by angels, we have to recognize that in him, everything we hope and long for finds its fulfillment. The story that seems so bleak and sad and somber and depressing up until this moment is now good news. And there are some of us that pick up our Bibles and we read it like it's all bad news. Like God is telling us, you know what? Here are the thousand ways in which I'm going to just rake you over the coals. Some of us have like that literal image in our head. For the things you have done wrong. My goal, my job, my plan has always been to punish sinners. And in Jesus, what we find is that every story, every page of Scripture is proclaiming the good news that what God has always intended, what God has always wanted, what God has planned from the very beginning is Emmanuel. God with us. The incarnation is the pivotal point in history that gives context to everything before and everything after. When we remember the body of Christ in our communion this morning, we are remembering that God desired to be with us.
And in the person of Jesus, he prepared a place to be with us. In his death and his burial and his resurrection, he prepared a place to be with us. But this is not the only story that we read about here. And the angels said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Now keep in mind, for Zechariah, this was a very Jewish moment. This is exciting because all the things I have studied for my entire life about what God had promised to Abraham finds its fulfillment in this small child. Emmanuel, God with us. I think maybe Zechariah had a bigger picture of the redemption of all humanity, but for him, this was the good news to the Jews. But when the angels appear in the field and they see these shepherds out there watching their flocks at night, they say, by the way, just in case you're confused and you think it's only good news for this small group of people that live along the, the you know, coastline of the Mediterranean, on the east side of the Mediterranean, around the Jordan River, but not much further than the east side of the Jordan River. It's only good news for them. The angels appear and say, no, this is good news for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. But if you want to understand the full context of the good news of the arrival of Jesus, you have to jump just a little further down the road here. There's a man who has waited in the temple for the day of the arrival of the Messiah. He was promised he would not taste death until he had seen him. And this is his response on seeing Jesus, who's being dedicated. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. I want you to think about that. He'd been promised that he wouldn't taste death until he'd seen the Messiah. Maybe I wouldn't show up to the temple <laughs> if I thought, well, there's a chance I'm going to see the Messiah at the temple. And I've been told until, the, until I see the Messiah, I'm not going to die. You know what? I'm just not going to show up. I'm going to, I'm going to spend a lot of time in my house reading the books I like to read, watching the movies I like to watch, because I'm not in a hurry to die. For this man, even death is good news in light of the arrival of the Messiah. And it's not just good news for him. It's not just good news for the people of Israel, although it is good news for him and for the people of Israel. It is a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and in his mind, the people who don't know what they're missing. Can we embrace the incarnation of Jesus as good news in regard to everything? 
I think sometimes as Christians, we see the incarnation as good news for something that's going to come way far down the road. You know, when Jesus comes back, then it'll be really good news. That'll be good news. When Jesus comes back, that will be good news. But right now, it's just okay news. You know, I still have to die. That's, that's going to be an unfortunate time in my life. I'm going to lose people that I love. That's going to be a little unfortunate. I have to pay bills. That's really unfortunate. Inflation, that's unfortunate. Another election cycle, that's unfortunate. You know what? My car broke down, that's unfortunate. All of those are real problems. Again, we don't want to undermine any of it. It's, it's all things that we have to deal with. But you know what? I think if we can look at this and say that for one man at least, the arrival of Jesus made death itself good news. Perhaps we as Christians can approach life in such a way as to say, you know what? This is unfortunate. But in light of the incarnation of Jesus, even this can be good news. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, you are good. And at no point in history have you failed. Father, when we look at our own stories, sometimes we see moments where we feel as though your promises have not come to their full fruition. But we know that you are a God who keeps his promises. We know that whatever story you're telling in our lives, calamities, joyous victories, quiet moments of sorrow, that God with us, Emmanuel, Jesus, the Messiah, makes it good news. That you have not abandoned us in our worst moments and that you celebrate alongside us in our moments of victory. That you sent to shepherds in the field angels to proclaim good news for all the people. Help us to reflect on this idea today. Help us to remember that you are a good, loving, kind God who desires so greatly for us to see the good news. And Father, we pray that as we become the body of Christ, as we are indwelt by your Spirit, as we dwell among the people of this world, as we continue the ministry that Jesus began, that we would proclaim boldly the good news of the Incarnation. That we'd profess it with our mouths, that we'd profess it with our hands, that we'd profess it by our, our love for our neighbor, so that no one might say that Jesus is bad news, Father. But that in all ways, we might confess the good news of the arrival of the Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Kyle's going to continue our worship this morning.
we uh, have been reflecting on the incarnation, this truth that Jesus came to earth and fully experienced humanity, that we might be redeemed, that he became God with us, as Chris has shared. And the incarnation reminds me of the importance of presence, that for a time in history that people got to experience the presence of God through Christ. And this is something that we celebrate every week. And I especially enjoy these times of year where we um, maybe get together with family and you get to see people that you don't always get to see. And you get to be reminded of the importance of presence um, you know, this morning being able to, to reconnect with someone I grew up with and our kids meet each other, to reconnect with uh, people who went through the youth group and now are off doing bigger and better things, to reconnect with people who taught me the Bible in this very church when I was a child. We're reminded of the importance of presence. Chris also hinted at this idea that the incarnation is good news now, and we shouldn't take that for granted, but there's also this future hope. And so, Chris, I want to jump to the end for a little bit and remind us of Jesus' words. This is a time where we reflect on who Jesus was, what he did, what he said, and celebrate that together um, as, he, as he told us to. And in John chapter 14, on this this last night, as Jesus is spending really this last night with his disciples before he's um, arrested and crucified, he says to them in chapter 14, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would not have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if... I go and prepare a place for you. I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. So Jesus enters into the world and he spends this time with these people and he leaves, but he leaves with the promise that he will return. And this is a time of year where we not only celebrate and remember especially the birth of Christ, but we also remember his second coming, that he has promised that he will return and make all things new. And as Chris said, that's why this is all good news, that we have hope now and we see only a glimpse of it perhaps, but we're promised that hope will be completely fulfilled. This morning, as we partake of this together, we're reminded that the bread is his body, that he came to earth, that he lived a human life, and he gave up all, even his very life, so that we might be redeemed. Jesus is present. Let's pray as we take the bread together. Holy God, we are so thankful that you continually draw near to us. Throughout history, 
you are constantly drawing near to us through prophets, through priests, through tabernacles, through Jesus, through your Holy Spirit. You are constantly calling us into a deeper relationship with you, into into your presence. And so this morning, as we reflect on that, uh, may we remember what Christ has done, that he um, gave up all, that he might be present with us and redeem us. We pray this in your name. Amen. Sometimes I'm afraid that the way we talk about heaven makes it feel distant, as if God's presence is far from us. But this is how it's described to us, at least this this fullness of time that Jesus talks about when he will return and, and what that looks like. And again, we only get a glimpse of it, but we're reminded again of the presence of God. This is from Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. This is John speaking again in, his, in the revelation he receives. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all of this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children." I don't know if you caught that there, but this imagery of heaven and earth coming down, coming together, and God dwelling with his people. And this is, again, what we see in Jesus. We're reminded of that. And in the same way, we're reminded of the bread being his body 
his presence, his flesh that was um, wounded for us. This cup represents his blood that was shed to establish this new covenant. And we share it together in our in present with one another. We're reminded of the future hope that we have because of what Jesus is, has done, not just on earth, but what he will do one day when heaven and earth come together and all things are made new. Let's pray for the cup. God, again, we are so thankful for your presence. And we recognize that it came at a cost, a cost that you were willing to pay. And we look forward to a day where that covenant will be completely fulfilled, when there will be no more pain, and when your presence will be with your people for all time. Lord, help us live into that reality now. Make our lives reflect the future hope that we believe in because of what your Son has done for us. We pray this in your name. Amen. Also, just a reminder uh, to find ways to give back to the work of the church here in Newburgh um, so that others can experience this good news as well. Let me pray for our offering, and you can see the, the different ways that you can give. Let's pray. Lord, uh, in response to your, your great blessings and grace that you've shown us, I pray that we might have joyful hearts and be people who are just wildly generous with what you've given to us so that others uh, may be lifted up, others may be encouraged, and so that um, this community might know uh, that you are God. We pray this all in your name. Amen. We have a couple more songs and then Chris will close us out. Let's go ahead and stand for this song if you're able. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. And heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ, while fields and floods, rocks, hills and Repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy, 
Repeat, repeat the sounding joy. No more let sin and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. Far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found, far as, far as the curse is found. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove. And wonders of his love, and wonders of his love, and wonders, wonders of his love. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere, go Tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. The shepherds all were watching while seated on the ground. A light from him descended and glory shone around. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. This light shone in the heavens to cover all the earth. It was a time to tell them about the Savior's birth. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. The wise men came to worship the holy child that day. They found him in a manger, a-sleeping on the hay. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go Tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. You can be seated. Really quick, some logistical things for you. As you're leaving this morning, there are cookies out in the the, uh, foyer. You are welcome to grab some cookies, but we've packaged them in Ziploc bags with the intention of ushering you out the door quickly. Uh, so those of us who have places to get this morning, or this, yeah, still morning, uh, can do so. Uh, we don't want to rush you off too fast. 
you are welcome to stick around, but uh, coffee and cookies are prepared for you to go and meet your appointments today. Um, they are arranged. There are two cookies in a bag, three cookies in a bag, or four cookies in a bag. If your family needs more than four cookies, take a four cookie and a two cookie, uh, and that'll be okay. Nobody will fault you for it. If you only need one cookie, take two cookies anyway. Um, I won't tell anybody. I want to I want to thank you all for being here this morning. Um, I think it's important, obviously, that we remember the arrival of our Lord. Uh, and in those three sections of scripture that we read this morning, we see the hopes of history fulfilled. We see a promise for today for those who are immediately ready to recognize Jesus and for those who maybe haven't seen him yet. And Kyle let us in the song, Go Tell It on the Mountain. I think that's a commission to us. There are those who have not yet seen the revelation, the light that has been brought into the world. That's our mission to make sure that others know the good news, to give them the context for why they're here and why we see this as good news. I want to invite you uh, this week to really be thoughtful about the ways in which you interact with the people around you and the way that you frame the story that you're telling as good news. Let's pray and then we'll be dismissed. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the arrival of your Son. We thank you for the life that he lived, for the man that he was, and for the God that he continues to be. We thank you that his body, his incarnation, gives him solidarity with us. That he is not someone who is unfamiliar with our sufferings, that he is not distant from us. That he can relate to those things which we face that are unique to being a human being. And that is good news. For our neighbors who are hurting, for those who are experiencing difficulties, for those who are experiencing joyful moments, Jesus knows what they are experiencing, and that is good news. Help us to frame our stories and their stories in light of that good news. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You're dismissed.